Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. As always, it is your host, Nick Zararis. And today's show was not originally in my plans for what I was going to do this week, but we have to stay topical, keep up with events. That's the whole point of news. It's new. It's happening on the way to Devil's Maple Leafs yesterday. The Brian Flores lawsuit was publicly announced is the way I'll go to describe it against the NFL, the New York Giants, and just this is a topical problem. I did my senior project in college on representation on coaching staffs in sports. This is something I've spent a lot of time thinking about, doing research on, talking to experts on, and it creates a hostile environment for a lot of people because right now, There are a lot of people out there who anytime they see something along this subject line where race is an issue, they immediately deflect to, well, but, yeah, and, though, and instead of just listening to what the person has to say and thinking about it critically, they immediately get defensive because it's something that makes them uncomfortable. This is hard. It's hard to talk about things that make you uncomfortable. That's why they make you uncomfortable. And we've seen a lot more of this as time has gone on because there's more of a willingness because people come forward and when someone comes forward and that inspires someone else to come forward, there is progress. Progress is slow. It does not happen overnight, especially with problems like this, which are more institutional and macro than individual and micro. It is very easy for one person to say they want to change things. It is impossible for one single person to change things. Power structures exist, and they benefit certain people. The people, the power structures benefit. It is in their interest to main said said power structures. Now, before I get to today's episode, I do want to remind everyone to help support the show. Please, 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 please throw the show subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you like to use, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're using Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave the show a review. All you got to do, go to the show's page. Once you've subscribed, scroll down. If you're on Apple Podcasts, there's going to be five clear purple stars. You hit the one furthest to the right. That's a five-star review. Underneath that is a button with purple letters that says write a review. If you're using Spotify, you have to listen to a few episodes before you can leave a review. But once you've done that, hit the five stars, leave a review. That stuff helps out a lot. It's fitting. I'm recording this on a Wednesday, this issue about representation and identity in sports, because Wednesday is National Women in Sport Day. There have been a lot of my friends who've come on this podcast to talk about their favorite teams, projects they're working on, and a lot of great people out there I've interacted with in the sports space that I would not be doing what I am doing as well as I am doing Because I know them. People who have come on the show, people I interact with daily on social media, check in on. And that's the thing about the sports community, that when you find the right pocket within the sports community, it is extremely rewarding. It is extremely, extremely rewarding to find people who care about things the same way you do and get to watch them pursue their passions and work on projects. And the sports community is better the more people that are in it. And that that's a central theme for what today's episode is going to be about. I will see you guys in one second, and we will talk about Brian Flores, the NFL, diversity in coaching, and all of the other things that 
make people in power uncomfortable. that we can start this discourse because this is a difficult complicated issue this is institutional factors that make all of this stuff these decisions happen so when you think about what football has typically looked like you have a vivid image in your head you probably think of a white quarterback african-american running backs and receivers a mix of both along the offensive and defensive lines, then African-American players in the secondary, the linebackers will be mixed, safeties, a little bit. There are some white safeties in the NFL, but for the most part, that's an African-American dominated position. You have to think about where football is going right now on the field in terms of how the game is played, and you can very quickly begin to understand why these dynamics are getting exacerbated you think about all of the head coaches that teams want to hire they want to hire the offensive guru who can call plays and manufacture offense because it's a lot easier to have a good offense in consecutive years than it is to have a good defense so that is the foundational point of where football is right now you have to be able to pass you have to be able to score a lot of points to win. And traditionally, the easiest way to do that is by having an offensive-minded head coach, especially one who calls plays, although not all offensive-oriented head coaches call their own plays. Traditionally, typically, on average, whatever word you want to use, people who end up in those positions have played quarterback in their life, and because that quarterback position has historically been white for a lot of reasons, those are more likely candidates to get hired into offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, head coaching jobs because they call their own offense and they have manufactured successful offense in the past. And that is a foundational point we can start with. The game is prioritizing offense and the skill position players are typically the ones who aren't white. The white players who are traditionally quarterback because the stereotype about quarterbacks has been a thing for... This was a plot point on an episode of Friday Night Lights. It jogged my memory while I was doing prep for the show. There is an episode in, I believe, the second season of Friday Night Lights where Mac, one of Coach Taylor's assistants, is talking to a reporter, and they're talking about Smash Williams and Matt Saracen. Smash Williams plays running back. Matt Saracen plays quarterback. And the differences between the two. And... Mac, the assistant coach, who was an older white guy, goes on about having tenacity, aggressiveness, being like a junkyard dog, talking about the running back, Smash Williams, and why he doesn't have like the temperament or the attitude to be a quarterback. And this leads to a very realistic issue that could happen where an older white coach says something that is offensive, hurts the feelings of people on the team, and the minority players on that team refuse to play. And that's the plot point of the episode and the, epi the follow-up episode, because the first part ends on a cliffhanger, is Coach Taylor trying to assuage those tensions and get everybody under the same level. You think about the plot of the movie Remember the Titans, the Denzel movie from 20 years ago now. That's pretty old. That's almost as old as I am, God. But where he has to assuage the tensions amongst the players on that team, and it's not an easy thing. And that's why 
that's why this issue is so near and dear to my heart. The thing I said in the introduction about sports is one of, if not the most core tenet of my personality. My The things I enjoy doing mostly resolve around, revolve around sports. And I want other people to be able to enjoy sports the same way I do because this is where I am when I'm at my happiest. And the fact that people don't have the opportunity to enjoy them in the same way isn't right. It's just flat out. It's unfair. It's not right. And it's why I wanted to do a whole episode on this because... I I feel a frustration with my own inability to gain progress in this space. I have advantages that a lot of people don't. I have been able to manage by getting help from my parents and things like that. I have met I got through college. I have had opportunities that other people necessarily wouldn't have. And I am having a hard time. I cannot even imagine the hard time that some of these people have who are putting forth their best effort, who have credible resumes, who have made strides and have tangible results to point to, like a Brian Flores, like an Eric Bieniemy, to constantly, for whatever reason, every single year when the coaching carousel gets going, there's always the murmurs. Nobody ever puts their name on anything. Nobody ever comes out and just says it. They say things like difficult to work with, doesn't interview well. They use these code words. And this is something that we have to put, I use as part of this conversation. You have to remember how sports media operates. Sports media, the insiders, all of them, Schefter, Rappaport, Woj, Shams, anybody you see on TV who kindness of the hearts of others, they get information to advance agendas. people, Everybody who gets news has to advance an agenda. That's the only reason sports media largely exists, because it exists to benefit the people who are in control in the sports world already. So you think about what we heard when Brian Flores was dismissed from his job. After found, they found Brian Flores difficult to work with, that he wanted to do certain things, and the general manager and the owner, Stephen Ross, general manager Chris Greer and him, the owner, Stephen Ross, wanted to do another thing. And that was the source of attention. And some of the allegations in the lawsuit are damning about what Miami asked Brian Flores to do and what Brian Flores alleges the owner of the team wanted, the, wanted Flores himself to do. And that's where we can start this conversation in terms of what we learned from that lawsuit. So... There's a handful of allegations in there. Number one, Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, allegedly offered Brian Flores $100,000 per loss in the 2019 season. The season Miami was predicted to have the worst record in the league where they had Josh Rosen as the starter. They ended up going 6-10 and that year. They had the fake field goal they ran against the Eagles. They won a game late in the season that kind of broke everybody's brain. That was the year they were tanking for Tua, and I'm saying that with air quotes. In the lawsuit, he mentioned, Flores mentioned that Stephen Ross wanted Joe Burrow. He mentioned that he wanted to try and court Tom Brady. Then in the past year that Stephen Ross and Greer wanted to get Deshaun Watson, and that on one occasion... Stephen Ross invited Brian Flores to lunch on um, on Stephen Ross's yacht. Flores gets there, and Ross tells him, Yeah, you know, one of the quarterbacks I was telling you about, he's here right now. He's on, he's on his boat. We could go talk to him right now if you want to. And Flores left. The rumor is that was Deshaun Watson or Tom Brady. 
Brian Flores did not want either of those guys for whatever reason. Think about it again. Back to what I was saying about two weeks ago when they said Flores was difficult to work with because he didn't want to go along with what the owner and the GM were trying to do. And it's important to delineate this point. Yes, the owner is in charge of the team. They can do whatever they want because the NFL is a cartel. The NFL is a legal cartel that is allowed to operate because the legal system in the United States is not very good at breaking up trust anymore. There are no there are no more uh, Teddy Roosevelt and Howard Tafts out there to break up these monopolistic organizations. And yes, I know the NFL is not technically a monopoly. They had a lawsuit. They changed things. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but... They are allowed to operate with impunity, with no oversight, with no regu- no regulations, because they govern themselves. The 32 owners govern themselves and their decisions, and that's why there's no change. I said it in the introduction about power structures being maintained to keep people in power, and that's why we are where we are. None of those owners. There were 32 NFL owners. I'm not do. I'm not googling how many owners the Packers have individually, but there's 32 ownerships. Two of them are not white men. One, Shad Khan, owner of the Jaguars, and the other one, Kim Pagula, who is Asian, an Asian American woman who is married to Terry Pagula, who's an oil magnate. They own the Bills. So we start there. And then you think about what traditional power structures, how they operate, how they are maintained. They are maintained through clicking, through networks, through intertwining, through close contacts. We always talk about it's not what you know, it's who you know in the, in the job processing field. And that's true in the regular job market. And it's even more true when it comes to football. And I forget the exact statistic, but I want to say it was between 20 and 30% of all coaches that get hired in football are either relatives of another coach or married into the family of another coach. So there's that intertwining that exists through the back channeling, the old boys club. I talk about the old boys club a lot when it comes to hockey because it's even worse in hockey when it comes to diversity because hockey is not traditionally a diverse sport. So it's even slower to adapt to these situations than football. And one of the parts of this is just human nature. I spent a lot of time in one of my classes in college trying to understand implicit bias. One of the first things they taught in journalism school was being able to understand your own biases so you would be able to identify them and it wouldn't impact the way you covered a news event. You wouldn't be able to you would be able to identify when you are misreading a situation because of what you already feel about something. There's implicit bias tests where you press buttons and it gives you an idea of associating certain words with certain things or certain types of people with other things and it makes for it makes for an eye-opening experience where implicit bias is not an exact science it judging how you react to something it's not perfect but there is something to the idea of 
your own subconscious, things you cannot control because they are part of your environment and having to unlearn certain behaviors, which is hard for people to unlearn their behaviors and to change their viewpoints on things because those viewpoints are part of someone's identity and people don't like to change their identity, more or less. They, they like to be confident in who they are and their thoughts, their values, that is part of who they are. It is why all of these rich and powerful people insist they know the way to solve all of these problems. It is why John Mara has had five coaches in 10 years because he does not know he is the problem because he just insists it's the people he's hired are the problem, not the person hiring them. And you get my point. I I'm viewing this. I am viewing this as a reflection on where football is going. We want football to be more diverse because in theory, the more diversity there is, the better it is for the sport because you're going to have more viewpoints. The more viewpoints you have, the better chance you have of changing things, of improving things. And this is something that I'm going to quote what Mina Kimes of ESPN said on NFL Countdown the other day. If you truly believe that... 29 of the 32 coaches in the NFL who are white are the best candidates for their jobs and that there are just three there are just three minority coaches in the NFL right now. There's Robert Sala of the Jets, there's Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders now, which god that's an awful name. And Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. There's just three. This is one of the first points I want to make about why this insistence on only hiring within the network is dumb. This is supposed to be the world of sports where your performance is supposed to be the sole indicator of your advancement. That if you play well, you will get opportunities because everybody only cares about winning. That is supposed to be what sports are. The crucible of the modern human condition. The... If you can persevere in the world of professional sports, you are amongst the most mentally tough because of the rigors you have to put on yourself and your body to succeed. That you are borderline superhuman. This means there's a massive, massive market inefficiency, which all of these teams, which claim to only care about winning, should be pouncing on. Do you understand how many quality coaches there are out there that are never going to get an opportunity at the NFL level, even to be a positional coach like a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator even, purely because they never coached quarterback as a white guy, and that's not a great example, but that is my point here. We need more of a willingness to incorporate other points of view. Just because something has always been done a certain way does not necessarily mean that needs to maintain it was not very long ago where the modern NFL quarterback was thought to be a stagnant, tall, white guy in the pocket and have a cannon arm. And then you had the few outliers. You had Michael Vick, mid-2000, to make people realize maybe we can add mobile quarterback as a wrinkle at the NFL level. Mobile quarterback had always been a thing at the college level because that's a way for less talented teams to scheme their offense around a great athlete. And that's the thing. We, Even me trying to be correct in how I'm phrasing certain things, just tonally, you, you saw how I was talking about that because you think of athletic quarterback, you think now, you think Russell Wilson, you think Deshaun Watson, you think Josh Allen, you think Patrick Mahomes. 
these guys who are extremely athletic, have the super strong arm, can throw a ball anywhere on the field, and have the agility and the mobility to keep plays alive and to run the ball for first downs if need be. That's a far cry from what we thought of when we saw Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and Brett Favre and the long line of players at that position. And it took one or two, it took two teams bringing that heavy option offense to the NFL to make the rest of the league reevaluate how they thought about the quarterback position. Russell Wilson in Seattle and Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco are the two most, those are the two guys I think of that kind of changed how we think about the quarterback position because those two teams, Seattle and San Francisco, they went to a pair, a couple Super Bowls each. They went to some conference. They played some really great playoff games, conference championship games. Those teams consistently kept running into each other and were consistently good for a sustained period of time. And that made people reevaluate how you think about that position. Now, you don't see the traditional pocket quarterback as a consideration very much anymore. Like, even somebody like Joe Burrow, who you don't think of as a run-first guy, he's extremely mobile. The 25, 30 yards he ran for against Kansas City, that was the difference in that game. That was the difference in that game, was the couple of first downs he was able to pick up with his legs. Yeah, if his life depended on it, could Peyton Manning pick up seven yards and empty if everybody else had their back turned? Maybe. That is where... This is so dumb. All these people claim to care about is winning, and they're depriving themselves of an opportunity to win. And I understand that winning isn't the point of this discussion, that it's about giving people fair chances. And I haven't even gotten to the Rooney Rule stuff, which is the crux of this problem, because none of the NFL teams take that rule seriously. And... Look, a lot of people over the last two and a half years of the pandemic are very familiar with the intricacies of the job market, how fickle it is, how much of a political process it is in terms of people having preferred candidates already in mind, internal candidates in mind, and only interviewing outside people out of obligation without giving them a fair chance. And Yes, I know there are a lot of wise-ass people saying, what, you never been on the job market before and interviewed for a job where the interviewer clearly didn't care? And yes, that is true, that a lot of people don't get a fair shake in the job market, and that complaining about it alone doesn't do anything. Yeah, neither does just letting it go unchallenged solve the problem either, which is what the NFL is largely content to do right now. So as we understand it, one of the pillars in Flores' lawsuit is... The Giants called him for an interview. The Giants interviewed several candidates for that head coaching job. And Flores got a text from Patriots coach Bill Belichick congratulating him on getting the Giants job before Flores had even interviewed for the job with New York. And Flores clarified, he asked, Bill, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? And it was very clear, based on Bill Belichick's reaction in the text exchange, which you've probably seen on social media by now, that he was looking to talk to Brian Dable, who had interviewed for the job once, virtually, over Zoom, and that, based on that interaction, Flores felt he was not for the Giants' head coaching job. So that is one of the main points. 
He also referenced before he was hired by Miami back in 2019 that he interviewed with the Denver Broncos that the people from the team he was supposed to meet showed up an hour late to the meeting and may or may not have been inebriated, that they looked disheveled, they weren't totally paying attention, that they weren't giving their best effort, and that they very quickly hired Vic Fangio that was over. Of course, Vic Fangio did not go on to do great things in Denver, but that's not the point. This process with the Rooney Rule is supposed to give people who would not normally get an opportunity to sit down with an owner and a general manager for a head coaching job a chance to make their case, to plead, not even plead their case, to make a case for themselves about why they're suited for the job as opposed to some other candidates. And there aren't a lot of these golden stories about the Rooney Rule candidate sweeping the owner and general manager off of their feet during this process and wowing everybody into hiring them. The one example I was able to find was Mike Tomlin getting the job in Pittsburgh after Bill Cowher retired, that Tomlin had not been even a position group coach, let alone a coordinator, that long prior to getting hired in Pittsburgh. But he sat down and he laid out a vision and it worked for the Roonies. And yes, that's who the Rooney rule is named after, Art Rooney, the owner of the Steelers. But you get what I'm saying here. This entire process is predicated on bullshit. And it's important we call bullshit out when we see it because the whole point of this, we're supposed to be trying to do the best job possible. If we're not doing the best job possible, we're not a professional sports team. We're an organization projecting an agenda, which is largely something I have talked about in the context of the Giants when it comes to their football decisions, that it's been more about what John Merrill wants as opposed to what the football people think would make for good decisions. And that's why the Giants have been effectively garbage for the better part of the last 10 years with one playoff appearance. Because the owner is more worried about his feelings and what he wants than winning. And that's what it comes down to. Eventually, eventually, there will have to be change. Brian Flores realizes that by coming forward, by putting his name on this publicly... He will probably never coach in the NFL again. He probably will never coach again. He probably won't coach at the college level. That's just not who he is. But in taking this step, there's conjecture out there from a few reporters I've seen affiliated who cover the league say there are other coaches who are willing to come forward with similar stories about the interview process not being fair. And Maybe in making himself a sacrificial lamb for this process, Brian Flores I'm talking about, the status quo can change even marginally because what's going on right now is not working. We're still, we're not getting the best candidates interviewing for these jobs. And that's all anybody seems to care about. But instead, it's about agendas. It's about getting what people already in power want to maintain their power and to continue the power structure that exists currently. I think about it like this. They told Brian Flores, we want you to lose every single game this year. We want to have the first overall pick and get our pick of the quarterbacks in that draft class that had Herbert, Tua, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow, who was the first overall pick. Who's to say Brian Flores goes 0-16? He doesn't get fired right away after one season. You think about what the Texans did to David Culley, what the Cardinals did to Steve Wilkes. 
it can it's very easy very easy to say well if he'd just gone along with what the owner wanted to do everything would have been fine and he would still be the dolphins coach you don't know that you think about some of the way the weird ways we've seen coaching dynamics happen you think about what happened with urban meyer last year where the only thought he would and we get back to the same point we were already at there are not enough coaches representative of what's out there and it's frustrating that we still have to do this because nobody wants to change. If people wanted to change, we wouldn't have to talk about it. If this wasn't a problem, it would not keep coming up every single cycle. I think about two years ago, right after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, Eric Bieniemy didn't get a job. Eric Bieniemy didn't get a job last year either. Byron Leftwich maybe can get a job this year. And God willing, he does get a job this year because he's shown an aptitude for that job. He's worked his way up the ladder because Bruce Arians was willing to take a chance on him because Bruce Arians understands that there are people out there that if you give them an opportunity, they'll be able to grow into their job. And that's more rewarding than just working with somebody you're buddy-buddy with. That is a perfect example of why... We need more of this because Byron Leftwich was the OC on one of the best offenses in the league over the last two seasons. Yes, he had Tom Brady as his quarterback. Brian Dable had Josh Allen as his quarterback. Other than that, when Brian Dable's had mediocre or bad quarterbacks like Matt Moore, like anybody he had in Cleveland as his quarterback, there's no guarantee any of these guys are going to be good. No guarantee that anybody you hire to be a head coach will be good as a head coach. There's no way of knowing. There just isn't. Flat out, even somebody who's good, who's on another job, there's no guarantee they'll continue to be good. There are plenty of coaches who have had a good run in one place and then gone somewhere else, and it flopped. There are a lot of coaches in the history of the NFL and college to experience that phenomenon. It is not a particularly unique experience. People get stale. Their ideas get stale. Football is a living, breathing thing, and it needs to constantly be kept up with. And if you are not constantly at the cutting edge of hiring these pe hiring people with new ideas, you're not going to learn anything. And again, this all circles back to what I talked about at the start, where because we are only looking for certain types of coaches in terms of what they're good at, offensive coaches, it minimizes the candidates you're going to pick from. There are four African-American offensive coordinators, three offensive, excuse me, four offensive coordinators and three African-American quarterback coaches in the entire league. The league is 70% African-American. So we're using that as a baseline. And it's largely because OCs and head coaches are quarterbacks. When they are O quarterbacks, that position has historically been white and predominantly white because there is a stigma. There was a stigma and still exists a stigma in certain organizations that people stereotype that African-Americans can't play the position for whatever reason. The Giants have been in existence since 1925. They're egotistical enough that that's the address of their, their offices, 1925 Giants Drive. They're that caught up in their own mystique and aura that that is the address of their main offices. They have had one black quarterback in almost 100 years. 
three years from now when we're doing the 100th anniversary of the Giants, Geno Smith started one game at the quarterback position the year Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese got fired. That was it. And there is a line in the movie Spotlight where Michael Resendez, Mark Ruffalo's character, is talking to one of the lawyers who is representing a victim of the Catholic Church sex abuse scandal. And the lawyer says to him, the church thinks in centuries, Mr. Resendez, do you have the capacity for that? And that is what kind of uphill battle this is for equality and diversity in the NFL. This is a decades and centuries long institution. This is not something that one, two, three, ten people need to change the way they evaluate this because there is never going to be a way to just make people do the right thing. You're never going to be able to ensure fairness and equal outcomes and the NFL is a cartel like i've said a few times now you're not going to be able to mandate that they have x number of minorities on staff in the front office that you're never going to be able to do that because all of these teams are privately owned and the owners won't go for that and that that is what is hard for people to understand about the way the nfl operates everybody likes to blame goodell blame goodell goodell is a lapdog goodell is the public spokesperson for the 32 owners he is not a commissioner in the true sense of what a commissioner used to be. He is the lapdog for the league. He polices the on-the-field issues, the off-the-field issues. He's the spokesman for the owners. He does not wield any power the owners don't give him. He is not this arbiter of righteousness or justice. He exists because the owners allow him. If the owners wanted to, they could get rid of the commissioner and have no commissioner and just have an ownership committee of 32 and operate like a Congress and just pass by simple majority or have a two-thirds for certain rules. There is nothing, there is no requirement that the NFL have a commissioner. And because the owners don't want to fix anything, nothing will change because the owners don't view this as a problem. These are their franchises. They think they can, they feel they can do whatever they want with them. So they have. They've operated with impunity. They don't care about the initiatives. They they will write a check to get the tax write-off. They will paint end racism, racism on the end zone. They will put end racism on the helmet. They will do PSAs. They will not hire African Americans to be quarterbacks, coaches, offensive coordinators, head coaches. Some of these franchises won't even have an African American play quarterback, let alone have them be in charge of the rest of the team. That is the type of institutional problem we're talking about here. This is not something that one person can unwind and fix. Brian Flores throwing himself in front of this train to try and get justice for himself is not going to solve this problem. Maybe you can get a little more uh, focus on what candidates are interviewed under the Rooney Rule. That there are certain requirements in the process of the Rooney Rule. You're never going to be able to mandate to these teams they need to hire a minority coach within a certain period of time. You're just never going to be able to get the owners to go for that because they are thinking in terms of decades and billions of dollars, not within weeks and thousands of dollars. The NFL has the Super Bowl in a week and a half. By Tuesday, 
they will fully have switched gears from this Brian Flores story to the game. All of the media that covers football will largely follow suit because they have to get their checks. The media exists to further narratives. It's not there to tell the truth. That is the hardest part of coming to terms with where journalism is right now. There are very few people whose number one priority is the truth. Mostly there to advance agendas, to gain access, to leverage relationships. He's not one of all the president's men. He's not on the spotlight team. He's there to help people empower, advance narratives they want to tell. That's what this comes down to, and it's why this is so difficult, and it is why it is on us, those of us who care about sports, who engage with sports, to demand more, to organize with other people, to spread ideas, to give people opportunities, because we are going to be the generation tasked with this because we care about this. The people that are in charge right now in their 40s, their 50s, their 60s, God forbid people in their 70s or 80s, they don't give a shit about doing what's right. They do what they want. Until this younger generation that is more conscious about social issues is empowered to make these changes, it's going to largely be these one-off incidents that the league continues to try and sweep up under the rug and pretend doesn't exist. Look at what the... NHL and the Blackhawks were able to do with the Kyle Beach story. Look what the NFL was able to do with the Kaepernick story. They get these stories to go away by doing other news things. They get other initiatives announced. The NFL announced the logo change, the name change, whatever, for the Washington football team yesterday. Yeah, that was planned ahead of time. The lawsuit was probably going to be publicly announced that day to try and gain the other organizations that occasionally pay attention to sports, but only for issues like this, like the mainstream news organizations, because they're already going to have a heightened attention on the league because of the name change, which is a big deal because there's only 32 teams. In closing, I do want to talk about this one last thing. I need to do a better job highlighting issues like this because I too often get lost in the X's and O's and the ideas and getting angry and trying to play armchair GM. And this stuff is very important. Giving people a fair chance is very, very important in the sports world because that's what this place, this space is supposed to be about. The most talented people getting the best opportunities. And that is not what is happening in the NFL. That's not what's happening in the NHL. That's not happening anywhere right now. And until we can achieve that, we haven't we haven't done our jobs. It's very simple. Until then, the sports world isn't what it should be. This should be the best place because anybody can enjoy sports. Anybody can love sports. And that's what this is about. Everybody should feel welcome and included in this space because this is a great place to be and it shouldn't be feel it shouldn't feel closed off to anyone for things out of their control that will just about do it for today the thursday episode of the show we have a guest lined up for tomorrow talk about the tampa bay lightning which will be fun going into the nhl all-star break which is this weekend 
busy weekend on the sports calendar. You got the clash, get the NASCAR season underway. You've got the Pro Bowl. You've got the NHL All Star Game stuff. You got the NBA going on full swing. The NBA All Star Game is next week. Is two weekends from now because they had to move it around the Super Bowl. Next week we have guests lined up. We have three guests lined up. Friday will be the Super Bowl preview episode. Plenty of content. We'll try and keep it topical as news evolves, like it did with the Brian Flores lawsuit. So, had to talk about that on today's show. I hope everyone enjoyed today's show. Working that part of their brain a little bit. Challenging the things they believe. I will be see you guys tomorrow. Have a good Thursday.